0: Remember what you'd say is the best gift you've ever received at Christmas? I asked my kids this question, and here's what they said. My six-year-old loved her little talky doll that could talk, blink, and not much else. It cost a whopping $110 after tax, and it lasted for a solid eight months before it found its way to the back of her closet. My nine-year-old said his favorite was the popular fantasy book series. Six books in all, each getting progressively longer. The set cost $58 and lasted 8 weeks before it lived its final dust-filled existence on a shelf. Now, my tween loved the brainy putty collection that cost $32 and lasted a measly 8 days before it went to live in our carpet. Finally, my teenage son wanted the ultimate drone with a 4K camera. It cost the most and lasted the shortest amount of time. I'd like to say it lasted eight minutes, but no, it was eight seconds, which is only impressive in bull riding. As exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift at Christmas that was far better? In fact, so much better that it makes these look like, well, toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, nor could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, like say, life itself? And what if this gift was given through the birth of a baby who became our paid in full? That's the gift offered to all. It costs us nothing, him everything. It lasts just a bit longer than eight seconds, eight days, eight weeks, or even eight months. It lasts forever.
1: So for those of you who are procrastinators, uh, heads up, it is the last minute. <laughs> uh, last minute for Christmas shopping, for gift giving, uh, there are, are only a couple days left to uh, get, get into the stores and get those uh, final gifts purchased, so uh, if you are going to be among the crowds uh, fighting for the last of that special gift, good luck, uh, you waited to the last minute. And so if you need a little bit of of help, I have come up with a wish list uh, and some ideas for you, things that you might want to shop for, uh, things if you're still not sure what to get that special someone, here are a few ideas. The first one is a portable sauna. So the portable sauna, it comes with a folding chair. And so you can sit inside of it and uh, zip it up around you and plug it in. And you can take it with you anywhere. Uh, you could uh, take it with you on a business trip or family vacation. You can uh, maybe even at the, at the dinner table. You can just sit there. There's a, a spot for your head to stick out. And so you can enjoy a sauna anywhere, anytime. Uh, there, it's only $79, so, so uh, kind of a mid-price gift there. Um, there is the bird ski a beard ski. The beard ski, it is uh, a, a ski mask that looks like a beard, so uh, that might be fun. If you are jealous of a, a great-looking beard, uh, you can just buy one to put on a mask and and enjoy that. Uh, those are only $29.29, so that would be good. Uh, also, there's the baby footy cleaning mop romper. <laughs> dusty floors. You know, this climate, the floors are always dusty, so just put this on the kid and... Let them swift it up, and then also start saving for their therapy. Um, There's the tailgate hammock. This looks like a great option if you're into tailgating. Um, You you don't have to pack chairs. You can just just attach this to the hitch on there. I'm pretty sure it's designed for stationary use, but if if you need that third row of seats, $350 will get you the tailgate hammock. And then finally, the hot tub boat um, <laughs> It's $75,000, so if any of you are interested in sitting in a hot, t- t- hot tub in the lake, then that will work for you. Um, so none of these are probably on your wish list. I, I don't think any of you have have this uh, dreaming for one of these. Maybe maybe it got you some, you know, you have some new ideas, uh, things you want to add to your list. But these would be unexpected, right? If this were to be given to you, if you open one of these, especially that hot tub boat, right? You, you get one of those. That is an unexpected gift. This is not what was on your wish list. Maybe you're happy with it. Maybe you just nod and smile at receiving, you know, the, the baby mop kind of thing. Um, but these would be an unexpected gift. And so, of course, as we are in this season, we are thinking a lot about gifts. And hopefully, in this time and in this space, we are thinking about a certain gift, right? A special gift that was given to us, the gift of Jesus, All four of the gospel writers introduce their gospel in different ways, based on what uh, picture they are trying to paint of Jesus. And each one takes a very different approach. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 this morning, if you want to be turning there. In the gospel of Mark, he just jumps right into the story, right? Right? Just jumps into it as if the story has already been going and and you're just jumping into it. And and throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus always seems to be in a hurry. Each of the stories starts with immediately. Immediately, Jesus goes to and does this. And so there is this Gospel that begins very quickly and ends just as quickly. The Gospel of John begins with this incredible prologue. This beautiful story, or this, this, this beautiful uh, prologue that, that talks about the, the Word coming and gives us this image of light and darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. It gives us this cosmic perspective of Jesus, right? This, this grand cosmic proportion and eternal time frame of Jesus. But if you want to know about what happens between the beginning of time and Jesus' baptism, you have to look at Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke give us these birth stories. Where does Jesus come from? Luke's gospel gives us this story of Jesus in the context of world history and and world events and and traces the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Adam. Connecting Jesus with the very beginning. And so for Luke, Jesus is this pivot moment of history. This is when history changes in the coming of Jesus. And, and Luke is painting this picture of, of God's universal offer of salvation, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. But then we get to the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew here is interested in presenting this universal of this universal offer of Jesus to the gentiles but his focus is more on Jesus being the legitimate Jewish messiah and so this is how he opens up his gospel starting with this genealogy not going back to Adam but going back to Abraham connecting Jesus to Abraham, and then even more so, connecting Jesus to the line of David, this royal heritage that he has. Remember, we talked several weeks ago about the stump of Jesse, and how Jesus comes from this Davidic royal line. And so the first chapter of Matthew, where we're going to be at today, starts with 17 verses of genealogy connecting Jesus back to Abraham, connecting Jesus to David. And we're going to to start in verse 18, after this genealogy is presented, tracing back this royal blood, this royal heritage. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now through the the gospel of Matthew, we have this, this birth narrative more from the perspective of Joseph as opposed to the perspective of Mary in Luke. And so what is going on with Joseph here? What is this gift that is being given? What is being presented here? The people of Israel in this Roman Empire, this Roman rule, what would they have expected of a gift? They certainly were not celebrating Christmas, right? So they were not, you know, they were not anticipating receiving the, the, the Beardski. They were waiting for something else. What is it that they were waiting for? They were in this place of oppression, and they had dreams to escape this oppression. They had expectations that were were based on scriptures, based on these prophecies. What was it that they were expecting? And so what do they receive for Christmas? They receive this girl who is pregnant. It's an odd sign. It's an odd gift. This odd thing for God to do. The prophet Isaiah had explained it this way. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah had said this. They had known this. They had expected this. So so a girl being pregnant was not all that unexpected. This would have been a more expected gift. Such a prophecy was, was exciting because the name Emmanuel means God with us. Imagine being in this place where you were under Roman oppression and you are told that you are going to be given this Messiah that means God with us. God is going to be with us? That's an exciting promise. In the face of threats by foreign rulers and under this oppression, Isaiah is predicting that God was going to free them from this oppression, that there would be deliverance, that there would be salvation from this, that there would be peace in their lands. And so maybe the gift was a a girl with a child who would, would bear another child, yet another gift, a child named Emmanuel, a sign of God's presence, a sign of God's power. So maybe this gift was expected. But the people would have also known Psalm 80. A prayer of restoration for Israel in in Psalm 80, verse 2. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. And so the people of Israel, they, they heard their enemies laughing at them. They were under this oppression, and, and they sensed that their neighbors were looking down on them. So they cry out to God, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. And so they have this vision of, of a Messiah that is, is the right hand of God. And with that brings the power and authority of God to free them from their oppression. To deliver them from the Roman rule. And so maybe the gift of God was a mighty messenger. God's right hand man. This is what they expected. These were the expected gifts. These were the things that would have been appreciated and desired. Not those weird odd gifts that you get. This is what is expected. Emmanuel, God with us, a mighty messenger, who both of which were part a part of the, the expectations of the people. This is what they were waiting for. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in a way that was less than expected. That there is this unexpected gift that is coming. There were the expectations But something is different with the coming of Jesus. So going through Matthew chapter 1, verse by verse, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Isaiah doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit conceiving the child. And even in the original Hebrew language, the Hebrew words there in the Old Testament, Isaiah speaks of a young woman that that is not necessarily interpreted as a virgin. And there's certainly no mention of the Holy Spirit. And here it is, the Holy Spirit is the one that is conceiving this child. Verse 19, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so we have this child conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's unexpected. And now we have Joseph who who plans to separate from her discreetly. That's unexpected. Things keep changing. He, sh- he, he could have shamed her in public or even had her stoned for her unfaithfulness, but there's this unexpected action that comes from Joseph, this unexpected compassion, giving her dignity. Verse 20, after they had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. So we have the Holy Spirit conceiving this child. We have Joseph acting compassionately, both unexpected gifts, and another unexpected gift comes. Here is an angel appearing, this angel coming and giving this message to Joseph and giving a name for the child, naming the child Jesus jesus savior that's unexpected we've had the prophecy of emmanuel but now we have the name of jesus that he will save that that he will be a savior for his people of course matthew fulfills the expectations of israel when he says that all this took place to fulfill what the lord had said matthew connects back to the expected prophecy but, but Jesus is this unexpected gift not coming in the way that they anticipated. He shows that, that God is truly with us, that his mission is to save us from our sins. And so in, in the gospel of Luke, we hear even more surprising things, pulling in some parts of that story. There were shepherds of Bethlehem who were, who were watching their flock at nights, and an angel of the Lord stood among them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's pretty unexpected. The experience of an angel and a a bunch of laborers in a field. They're engaged in this message and brought into what God is doing. And then the angel says to them, To to you is born this day in the city of David who is the Messiah, the Lord. The, The child is not only Savior, but he is Messiah. The Lord is with them but he saves them, and that's unexpected. And finally, the angel says, you will find a child wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. A savior, a messiah, a king, someone of of royal descent should not be appearing and being born in a manger, lying in a manger. They should be born in palaces, places of wealth, places of power, and so having this humblest of births, that's unexpected. Just about everything about Jesus is unexpected. Even in, in the fulfillment of these prophecies, how he arrives is unexpected. And he becomes the most surprising gift of all time. And also the most transformative of all time. Not a gift that will be set up on a shelf to collect dust. Not a gift that will be put in a goodwill box at some point. Not a gift that, that breaks after the first use. A gift that will last eternity. And so how do we respond to such a gift? When somebody gives you an incredible gift, what can you do? What can you say? You can write a thank you note which never seems completely adequate, right? If someone gives you an incredible gift and and you want to express your gratitude, you give the best words that you can. But ultimately, to to express gratitude for a gift, you have to receive that gift, right? Oftentimes, we're given a gift that is too great that we turn it away. Say, oh, I, I could not take that from you. I could not receive that. I'm not worthy of that. And so we reject the person's gift in some sort of false humility. But here we are given this incredible gift and we're given an option. What do we do with this gift? We have to receive it. We have to accept it. And so do we really accept the gift this Christmas? Are we we receiving this gift of Jesus? This Christmas and every Christmas is a reminder and a challenge for us to, to accept Jesus into the deepest parts of ourselves. Accepting this gift that is surprising, that is transformative, that will change us in ways that we never expected, that will lead us places that we never thought we would go will you receive that gift? It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, daily exercise of receiving the gift of Jesus and allowing that gift to transform us and change us and turn us into a gift for others. The gift of Jesus as as Emmanuel means that God is, is with us in every time, in every place, in every situation, not just at a certain holiday, not just in the lighting of candles, not just one day a year, but every day and every moment God is with us. Jesus comes to us as nothing less than the presence and the power of God in human form. He is with us when our friends desert us. He is with us when our marriage is falling apart. He is with us when our job isn't working out and unstable. He is with us when our health, our health fails us. He is with us In all of that, in every bit of life, in all of these traumatic experiences, in all the darkness that that tries to overtake us, Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us, present with us, surprising us in life-giving ways. And so the gift of Jesus as Savior means that God is with us to help us, to save us, to transform us, to free us. Jesus is not simply standing by our side as some supportive friend would. he, He comes in decisive action, bringing in the reign and the rule of God. The name Jesus literally means God helps, God saves, which tells us, that he has an agenda for us. He has a plan for us. He has a desire for us. And so when we are feeling overwhelmed, Jesus helps. When we are overcome by sin, Jesus forgives. When we feel lost and defeated or powerless, when we feel weak, Jesus saves. And together this gift these actions are transformative that we are now new creations in Christ. That the old has passed, the new has come. Everything is made new. Everything is reinvented. Transformation has taken place. And all of this is possible because of a gift. Because Jesus is lord do we really receive that this christmas do we really receive that jesus is lord a gift given to us the gift of jesus as messiah and lord means that jesus is leading us as our lord and master guiding our lives guiding our actions and so often we are reluctant to accept this gift because we like to stand up as independent people. We like to stand up in our own strength, in our own way of thinking, in our own way of behaving. And so we reject the gift of Jesus for our own independence. We're a people who are fiercely independent. Stubbornly independent. And that independence gets in the way of us accepting the gift because we want to say, you're not the boss of me. From the littlest ages, right? Can you imagine any of them saying something like, you're not the boss of me? I can't imagine any of them doing that, right? They're, they're sweet little angels and they would never say something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be bossed around. We don't want to be told what to do. And so it's hard for us to accept that Jesus is Lord. Because even though we're in adult bodies, we still have a very childish, childish heart that says, you're not the boss of me. And so we'll we'll we surrender that to allow Jesus to be Lord, to accept him as the gift given to us. To accept Jesus as Messiah means that we fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. That it is to his glory and not our own. And when Jesus says, Follow me, we make a serious effort to follow him. And when he says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we make our best effort to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That if, if we accept the truth of Jesus' words, then we know that we cannot serve God and wealth. And we have to structure our lives in a way that, that storing up treasure, we are storing up treasures in heaven and not on earth. This is the call to make Jesus Lord. And especially with the kind of week that we have had in politics and world events, In the many, many more weeks that we're going to have coming into this new year, will we live out a life of the gift that has been given to us, where we are following the call to love God and love others? And will our words reflect that? And will our social media posts reflect that? And will our family time this week reflect that and the things that we are going and doing over the next weeks and months and years as we journey on, will we live lives that reflect the gift of Jesus, lives that are transformed, making him Lord? And so at this point in the month of December, it's probably too late to go out and buy a bunch of gifts. The Amazon Prime delivery is very closely closing in on you. You might be able to get something delivered. But it's not too late for us to accept the gift of Jesus, to re-accept the gift of Jesus. Each and every one of us at any point in our journey need to take this moment to to accept the gift that's given to us and continually apply that to our lives. So will you accept this gift? Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and some time in communion with with, with one another. And so for those of you that are visiting or new, we have tables that are, are prepared along the side of the room. And at each of those tables, there's, there, there are some crackers, and there's some juice that reminds us of the gift of Jesus. That Jesus came in bodily form, very real. That body was broken for us, crucified and died for us and rose from the dead to give us a hope for the future. And so as we go to the tables, we take this bread and take this cup. And so go as an individual, go as a family, go as friends, go as a life group. The tables are open for you to join in this communion time together. It's also time for us to pray with one another. We'll have Uh, shepherds around and we've got prayer team members around. You can get together as a family or a life group, pray for one another. A time for us to encourage one another in this time. This is a season that can be incredibly dark for some as well. And so we lift one another up and we pray for one another through this time. Let's pray.